Listen in as Dr. Cashew talks about the root causes of guilt and shame around food and eating. The Good Doctor emphasizes the importance of self-respect over self-esteem and urges listeners to stubbornly refuse to make themselves miserable around food and eating in order to foster positive and constructive outcomes with their body. Self-esteem and demandingness, that leads to guilt and shame. Roll the intro! Hello, and welcome to <sighs> Coffee with Cashy. I am your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy, and today's lesson is a nice little mixy-matchy of uh, the sugar is toxic discussion, you know, the uh, you are what you eat discussion, and the whole self-esteem as a disease discussion. Uh, you got a few lessons before on uh, how to mitigate, uh, ameliorate, or even resolve the guilt and shame around eating. But fewer lessons on just where on earth it comes from. Um, now, is knowing where a problem comes from the root of a problem? Is that a requirement to solve that problem? Typically, no. No. Uh, in the context of a behavioral or emotional disturbance, anyway, no. Mostly because whatever caused that problem is probably long, and long gone. And really, humans are just great at keeping that problem alive by bringing it back from the dead. All the time. <laughs> Uh, in the spirit of science over application, or science over engineering in this context, um, even though it's true that knowing an emotional or behavioral disturbance's origin, practically speaking, plays little to no role in its resolution, depending on the philosophy you have, it may just help to generalize the skills you master to resolve that problem, such as the utility of determining origin. So. What that really means is that if you know where a problem comes from and have solved that problem before, then you can use your critical thinking skills to apply what you've learned here so that you can then do it there instead of having to relearn the same thing every time because it is a slightly different circumstance, okay? It's kind of like, actually, that's good enough. <laughs> I was going to go on a huge tangent there, all right? So now... It means you can save yourself eons of misery and thus foster amazingly positive and constructive outcomes with your food and eating and your body. So again, if you want to learn, if you need to know how to stubbornly refuse to make yourself miserable around food and eating so that you can have an amazingly positive and constructive outcome with food and eating and your body, then go to smartpeoplecomehere.com. Dr. Cash's challenge is coming up in a few weeks, and they only happen like three times a year, and spots do run out. That's smartpeoplecomehere.com, and I am mentioning it here because you guys get to learn about it way before everybody else does, okay? That's why I keep bringing it up here, because it will be made public to fill in the rest of the spots. And since you guys are in this private group, I would rather you guys got first dibs, okay? So here's what you're learning. Self-esteem plus demandingness equals or leads to guilt and shame okay specifically in this context self-esteem and rules around food and eating like sugar are what cause guilt and shame around food and eating and sugar <laughs> don't even think about sugar or you break the rules oh yeah don't think about the pink elephant either spoiler alert a hmm. little bit of background here Self-esteem in a sentence is kind of taking the goodness or badness of a result and using it to rate the entirety of your being. Because logic, all right? 
equating a result, good or bad, to you as a person, good or bad. The goodness and badness of a result are dictated by quite a few things that we'll get into in a minute, but mostly whatever higher power you believe in, whomever you find significant, and whatever pressures you put on yourself. All right, that, those are the three big ones. Uh, thus, self-esteem is the valuation, the determination of value of the, your entire being based on your level of two things. One, your perceived acceptance from others, either that higher power or significant other people in your life. And two, superiority, your perceived superiority over other people, how you compare to other people. So if you perceive acceptance and superiority, then you are a good and worthy person. And if you perceive rejection and inferiority, then you are a garbage turd burglar. Welcome to self-esteem. Please enjoy your stay. Good luck. <laughs> In short, oh, I made a mistake. They'll think I'm an idiot. And I am an idiot. Self-esteem. That's self-esteem. Instead of, oh, I made a mistake. I'll keep that in mind for next time. That is self-respect. You're better off going that route. Case in point, people get down on themselves when they eat differently than they plan to eat or are pressured to eat. People get down on themselves when they act differently than they plan to act or are pressured to act. Okay? I cheated on my diet as if it's a person you're in a romantic relationship with. And yes, if there's any romanticized interaction, it's the heavily fabricated and hilariously inflated relationship with food. It's a sandwich. It's a sandwich. A little too serious here. This is about food and eating and body shame and the self-esteem disease. Self-esteem, however, you know, it practically always leads to precipitous destruction of human worth. It does have some practical utility, which you learned about way, way back in those, in those contexts of those lessons. But the reality is that it practically always leads to precipitous destruction of human worth. It's just, that's the way she goes. Uh, food and eating, guilt and shame, and the tying of food and eating to self-worth are strong examples. And although people are exceedingly skilled at making them feel guilty, making themselves feel guilty, they have comical levels of suckitude when it comes to rectifying it rationally. This is mostly because the things they do to make themselves feel guilty are the same things they do to feel good. Now, there's a lot of reasons why this is funky. And a lot of it is the integration of external rules you put on yourself. Okay, and that's where the, the logical conflicts end up occurring. Okay. Another case in point, feeling guilty about eating a bunch of toxic sugar and then eating toxic sugar to make yourself feel better about it. Uh, this is under the premise that sugar is toxic and you've integrated that from somewhere else, even though, does that make sense? If you're integrating someone or some, some, somebody or something else's rules and they're in conflict with your own beliefs, then that's part of what causes this weird rationalizing emotional behavioral disturbance. This is the difference between being rational and rationalizing. Throw self-esteem in the mix well, then you are what you eat, too. It goes from sugar is toxic to you are what you eat. You eat toxic sugar. Now you eat toxic garbage food. Well, now you're a toxic and garbage person. Does that make sense? Actually, no, it makes no sense at all, but that's what happens. <laughs> uh, the words make sense, but the logic that follows is obviously asinine when laid out in this way. However, how often is it laid out in that way, especially when people are already feeling miserable and guilty and ashamed of what they do and how they feel and what they look like in their interactions and all this stuff. It's really hard to think in those terms. It's really hard to think rationally when you're so bogged down by all that stuff. <sighs> okay. Now, back to Tiny T. Let's go to Tiny T here. 
There's a lot of stuff going on here. But it may seem ridiculous when you see it that way because it is, right? However, this is the cycle of guilt and shame. <laughs> the biggest reasons guilt and shame are problems is because people do things they want to do because that's what humans do. But many times, most times, those things are in conflict. They're in conflict with whatever other arbitrary rules are in place. Boop. Starting from the top, literally and figuratively, there are rules and demands put on people directly or indirectly via religion, via their culture, via government, employers, family, spouses, friends, parents, demands you put on yourself. There's demandingness from all of these things, at least all of these things. And they go from broader to more specific and they just layer on top of each other like a 10 gajillion pound onion of doom and misery. Oh, for many people, there are at least five sets of rules and, and you are always at the bottom. What you want is always underneath all of the pressures added by everything else. What does that leave you with? It leaves you with very little and chances are what you like to do is going con to conflict with any of the stuff. All of these things that have their own demands that determine goodness and badness. Many of them conflict. Many of them are absurd and many of them are impossible. And you know what, if you want to break, if, if you do break, or even think about breaking any of those rules, and you have the self-esteem disease, well then, that is the recipe, that is the recipe for guilt and shame. You feel bad about doing it and thinking about it, and then you feel really bad if other people know. And then it lowers your, it makes you inferior as a person, it gets you rejected by other people, and now, your worth as a person is, is, just, is just nullified. It's just, ugh. Chances are you're going to like something or think something that's in conflict, that's in conflict with any of the demands put in place by these things. And they're just increasingly pressurized layers of subservience. And what you want is always going to be at the bottom. It, it, it's just a practical must. What you want, you have what's left, right? Every single one of these things puts increasing restrictions on what you must think and do. And then you're at the bottom, you put your own rules on yourself, and so what is, what is left? Very little, if anything, that, that, is, that is in line with all of these things all at the same time. Blah! <laughs> okay. Now, when your self-worth is dependent on acceptance and superiority by virtue of being in line with all of those demands at all at the same time, good luck. Ugh. Do humans follow those rules perfectly? No. Why? Because humans will human. Potato's going to potate. <laughs> Can humans follow those rules perfectly? No. Humans are inherently fallible. If they were perfect, then they'd be godly. In many instances, the rules are too absurd to follow perfectly. Sugar's bad, sugar's toxic, you are what you eat, etc. Therefore, the only reasonable results include some amount of rule breaking. And then feeling guilty if you know you've broken it and ashamed if other people know. If you like things you are told are bad, well then you're probably going to do them anyway because you like to do them. Or think about them a lot. A lot. And then feel bad about thinking them, about them too, eternally. 
heck, humans are even amazing about thinking about breaking rules and then making, them feel, making themselves feel bad about even the thought of breaking a rule. And they're still acting reasonably. Self-flagellation at the mere thought of doing something bad. That's an impressive level of foolishness. Why? Because ironic process theory dictates the practical necessity to think about the stuff you avoid. Why? So you can avoid it. <laughs> Do you see the logical conflict here? In conflict with basic philosophy, even like basic biology. Even though it's basic biology, it's still like that sort of stuff is... You learn that basic biology in more advanced biology courses, which is funny. But the point is that the brain can only focus. If you say, don't think about eating sugar ever, well, in order to follow that rule, you must think about eating sugar so that you know you can circumvent it. That's why there's an inherent level of conflict and things get so crazy here and here. Your, your philosophy and your emotions and your behavior, they get all screwy doobly swapulated. If you see a food rule, don't even think about eating sugar. You will think about eating sugary foods. And then, depending on how seriously you take yourself in your eating, you'll feel varying levels of preemptive guilt and shame, and preemptive frustration, even tiny levels of paranoia, thus prompting you to spy on yourself when you do eat or think about eating. That's basically what that means. You start spying on yourself, and that's stressful. And that, that creates varying levels of what is effectively performance anxiety around food. That's essentially what it is. What does that mean? It means food and eating become stressful because of the pressure you put on yourself and the pressures you integrate from other places on how you should think and act and eat when it comes to food and eating in a specific way. That's kind of what performance anxiety is. And the higher that anxiety becomes, the more likely you're going to floop de dupally and then prove that you're a turd burglar and be guilty and ashamed. Why? Because the brain can only focus. The brain can only focus. For that reason, you'd better focus on what you can do to improve your results for next time, rather than focusing on and judging yourself for making mistakes, which, which are a vital nutrient for learning things and getting better, by the way. If you judge yourself poorly for making a mistake, well, then you must be perfect. That is the rule. If you judge yourself as a person poorly for making a mistake, well, then the only option is to be perfect or else. And if you must be perfect, then that means you'll only accept and thus esteem yourself as either godly or guilty. Those are your only options. You'd better opt for self-respect instead. Self-respect is assessing outcomes to determine the future of a process. Self-esteem? Self-esteem is assessing outcomes to determine the future of a person. It's the difference between I made a mistake, I'm a freaking idiot, and that decision was a mistake. Now... Now that I know, what's better for next time? That's the difference. Which person accomplishes more, faster, keeps it, and is happy with the results they get and happy at the prospect of getting even more and better results instead of making themselves miserable and sabotaging the progress they do get because it was something other than the perfect result they demanded, the godly requirements of themselves and, and, and all, the, all the misery that comes with it. <laughs> hmm? So here's what you've learned. Here's what you've learned. That self-esteem plus demandingness are the precipitates of, or they precipitate guilt and shame. And self-esteem around, self-esteem and rules around food and eating are what cause guilt and shame around food and eating. Don't even think about sugar or you break the rules. Yeah, don't think about the pink elephant either, all right? The brain can only focus. The brain can only focus. The brain can only focus. Hmm? Stay rational. Until next time, Dr. Cashy is out. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, 
rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out! <laughs>